0: And, the, and real world and we need to place them back together again so the disciples who we are and what we do
1: welcome to rugged theology where we talk church planting theology and drink coffee Welcome to Rugged Theology. It is me, Adam Diamond, and we are back with another episode featuring a speaker from our upcoming Engage conference, which will be on April 29th to 30th, and you are more than welcome to come. Uh, head on over to milewoodmission.ca slash Engage 2022. Uh, you can find all of the information there that we have for you, but today's episode features, features one of those speakers, Pastor Rob Goddard. Rob's session will be on healthy churches making, uh, sorry, healthy churches make disciples, and uh, we're we're excited for this. This is a fantastic um, interview between Matt Leahy, our church planter for Kilbride, and Pastor Rob. Uh, so I hope you enjoy this and you get to hear about really what it means to make disciples and what it even means to be a disciple. Enjoy.
2: On the call with me, I have Pastor Rob Goddard. Uh, He's a pastor for Cloverdale Baptist uh, out in BC. Um, But Rob, I will let you introduce yourself, tell the whole world who you are. Uh, You'll be joining us for Engage. You're actually one of our our speakers. You're a main stage speaker or plenary session speaker. Totally excited to have you, you know, come out to St. John's, Newfoundland to bless us with what you're going to be teaching on as it pertains to building healthy church. And so, Rob, who are you? Tell Canada who you are.
0: Well, it's truly a delight to join you on this, but also to be able to come to the conference and go to that part of Canada. Uh, Just a privilege to be friends with not only you, but your ministry and Steve, uh, delight to take part in that. Uh, My name is Rob Goddard, you've already said that. I am a husband of one, father of five. We finally got my daughter. We we worked very hard for a daughter and failed miserably when I turned 52. So you can't tell me Abraham's the only one that can have children. And you know, some people say they really struggle with their daughter's teenage years. We never did. We, we got her when she was uh, 21. So it was really good. And she's wonderful. I am also a grandparent now. Mm. And a uh, major crisis with that, to be honest with you, theologically, because I used to believe in total depravity. I used to be reformed at I think our granddaughter is perfect. So, you know, these things that come are are really difficult. I've been a pastor for 30 years. I have taught and preached and have a passion for the glory of God, uh, his supremacy in all things and satisfaction in him. So that kind of will align me with different people you know. I did my doctoral work in discipleship in the local church and really have a passion to see churches healthy, growing, planting and delighting in God. So being a part of the whole mission that he has left us on earth to be a part of. So really privileged to come. I hope who God has shaped me to be over these years and education and time and relationships will be a help and a blessing to others there as I go to be blessed as well by those same relationships and God's work. Yeah, absolutely. It is it is a privilege and an honor. Uh, to have
2: Pastor Rob come in uh, and be one of our main session speakers uh, at our first Engage conference. Uh, and so, Rob, you kind of dropped it. We, we, we want to talk about what it means to have healthy churches. And uh, so, you know, when, when we look at healthy churches, there's a couple of areas that uh, we're going to be looking at at the conference, you know, healthy churches, disciple.
0: So healthy churches make disciples really would be the primary passion. I think of a local right. church. So we believe as those who believe the word of God, that being gospel oriented is super important. And you'll hear that gospel saturation, gospel focus, certainly a, a Tim Keller folks, but really all of the gospel coalition people and really Christians in history have said, we want to be gospel oriented. And that is totally true mm-hmm. and a passion of ours. And as we become those who are impacted and then, Uh, Developed by the gospel and the reality of what Jesus has done for us, making disciples is a priority for every healthy church. In fact, I would say the priority, the mission God has given us. There there are 10 appearances of the resurrected Jesus, and eight of those, he actually gives the Great Commission or a a style of the Great Commission. And so, if we are not making disciples, then we're not being obedient to Christ, we're not living on mission for him. It has to be the priority. Now, here's why it's because Jesus is real and relevant. And I think one of the problems we've seen, so not only is the a priority of Jesus, but we've seen this problem in the Canadian church over the last couple of years. And I would argue far before that, my own upbringing in a church uh, had the same exact issue. But we've developed these convenient Christians, the, these people who are in, in many ways shallow, so that when a crisis comes they tend to focus and fixate on that crisis rather than on Christ. They tend to respond in a cultural narrative rather than in a biblical narrative. They follow the world and not the word. And, and that is a problem for us who lead churches and who have a passion to be a part of healthy churches, because really it's a discipleship problem. So when you ask me, why is this important? I, I would just state back, it's the most important. If, if we want to be obedient to him who has all authority and has promised us his presence, if he's really real and really desires us to live for him on mission in the world, but not of the world, then helping people become like Christ or having, if you want to use Galatians 419 language, Christ formed in them is the priority and passion of a local church and the overflow of that will be an impact on your community evangelism all of those things so so you need to focus on the great commission to accomplish really the rest of what god has called us to be and to do so a uh, high priority deep passion and one you should never again forget matt
2: and, and again just to remind everyone who's listening the great commission you know jesus he's about to ascend and he commissions his disciples again there's that word the disciples to go out Uh, and make disciples of all nations, right? And so, uh,
0: Rob, you you said it's important because, you know, we're being obedient to Christ. Yeah, it's it's his priority. And then I think the problem, so the the two things, if you just want to reiterate them, it's his priority. And even in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, he starts off by saying, all authority has been given me. And he ends, and I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. And in the middle of that is this passion for discipleship Mm -hmm. or teaching people to live in his presence and obey his word completely. So, Yeah, I just think it's his priority, so it should be ours. And then the problem is we haven't been doing it well in the Canadian church. So Convenient Christianity has really dominated and then been on display because we've gone through what is a fairly minor crisis that has created division and destruction and despair and all sorts of things, rather than a delight at the opportunity to serve Jesus and be in the world, but not of the world. So not only is it his, his priority, but I think the last couple of years, and I would even argue, well before that, has shown us we need this desperately. No so we problem in the priority.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm just uh, just thinking, thinking, of this through. Like, so you're going to be talking on discipleship and and why we should disciple uh, and why discipleship is healthy uh, or discipleship defines a healthy church. So, do you see there being a difference between how, say, a church plant would disciple, uh, you know, new believers or people onto maturity versus maybe more established churches? Is there a difference? If there is, what? If there's not? So how do churches, you know, healthily establish and, you know, create disciples amongst new believers and even, you know, maturing
0: believers? I think it's a fantastic question. And I think each situation, I I don't even know, I would say the dramatic differences between church plants and unhealthy or healthy churches. I I think you need to look at the place you're at, understand the end you want, which is a fully devoted follower of Jesus. And and I think developing that, I, I won't spend any time on this at your at the Engage Conference, but developing and understanding, what does that look like? What does a disciple of Jesus, according to Jesus, according to the word of God, look like? And then pursuing that. I think the process of that, I I don't think there's a one program fits all. I think the process of that is different. But I think when you're planting, you have the incredible advantage of setting your DNA. When you take over an established church or you're dealing with an established church has been the church I'm serving now, have the privilege of serving is almost 100 years old. I think our 90th birthday is coming up. It's very established. So the DNA is set. And what you're trying to do is constantly reset it in in line with Jesus and his priorities. So I I do think there are differences, but it it really depends on where you're at and the people you're with. I, I think you have to believe it. So in other words, this is God's priority for the church. Then you have to be it. You have to model what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. And that includes humility and repentance and displaying that to others and showing I'm practicing the presence of God. I'm living in His presence with His power, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So I think those things are are very consistent in terms of the pattern of following the process of making disciples. But after that, I think you, you need to know where you're at and who you're with. I think it's always relational and I think there's always programs. But I think the relational mm-hmm. uh, emphasis of it and the modeling of it is more important than the programs, and I think you can find programs that will fit your specific area. So in a plant, I think what I would say is make it a part of your DNA. Make it the very core of who you are. You're gospel oriented. And then what you're trying to do is not help people meet Jesus, but help people know Jesus and live for him. And that includes meeting him, but it's so much more. I think in an established church, sometimes you almost have to reorganize around this priority and almost say to people, listen, this is what a disciple is you're resetting the DNA, and then almost make them question, listen, are you a convenient Christian? Are you a cultural Christian? I think Jesus did both of these things. Uh, Matthew 7 is probably the one for me in an established church that's most powerful. You know, it's not just what you say. Many of you say, verse 21, you know, Lord, Lord, did we not do all of these things in your name? And I'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. And then he goes in, really, to the Great Commission, talking about the wise man builds his house on the rock, foolish man builds his house on the sand. The rock is hearing the word of God and applying it. Well, that's Matthew 28, right? That's the Great Commission. So I think for an established church, it's this resetting of what a true Christian is, and then a pursuit of it, uh, being a follower of Jesus. I think in a church plant, you can lay that right into your DNA. And I do think that for both, it needs to be a priority. And I think the advantage goes to the planter. So if a planter truly believes this and is this, and then lives this out, and it becomes the core of the DNA of that plant then i think not only the impact on your own people that god blesses you with but also planting out of that which i think most plants want to plant Mm -hmm. uh, becomes much much more healthy so if you can set your dna it's easier than resetting it but both are super important
2: yep and i think you you brought up a really great point uh so you know years ago when i when i first became a christian i had a facebook account you know there's a little section that says you know, tell us about yourself. Who are you? And I remember putting in the early days, I'm a disciple of Christ. Uh, and and it's, it's really looking back now, I had no idea what I was talking about because, you know, we throw out this word disciple, discipleship almost flippantly sometimes without actually looking at what does it mean to be a disciple? Yes. Uh, and, you know, so one of the one of the things that we do in the West is, is we generally take our English idea, our Western idea. Hey, I don't
0: want to I don't want you to struggle with this, but you're actually out in the East. We're out in the West. <laughs> <laughs> sorry go um, ahead i oh, shouldn't interrupt yeah, you go
2: we, we take our uh, our english ideas our western ideas our eastern ideas our canadian ideas if you want to say it like that uh <laughs> and, and we inject that into first century so, yeah. ideas yeah. and so for many people they might say oh well a disciple is someone who has a lot of head smarts yes. or who just spends a lot of time in the books but that's not what a disciple was in the first century
0: Yes, or even a super it. Christian, or maybe even somebody who just said a, said a prayer and then d- does whatever they want. You're I mean, right. We miss out on Jesus.
2: Yep. Yeah. But see, a, a disciple in the first century is one who not only learned from their teacher, he sat at his feet, or she yeah. sat at his feet. Yeah. You know, when we look at Christ, we had, he had female disciples and, and male disciples. But they learned from him, they lived with him, they walked, they observed, they replicated, and they repeated what they saw their teacher doing. So it's very different from the sitting in the classroom, you know, nine to five, I'm just going to write books and learn. That's not a disciple. So when Christ says go and make disciples amongst the nations, he's saying make people that learn from me, learn of me, learn about me, but then do what I do.
0: Yes. And I think there's where even the Pauline, follow me as I follow Christ. It's a very threatening thing to say, but I think it's the only way to make authentic and true disciples. That's where I think, again, just to reiterate, I think the relational process of this, it's an all-defining relationship with Jesus that then I'm passing on to someone else. And it is word saturated for sure. It is spirit filled for sure. And it and it must be programmed. I actually think programs are very important. But if you're just programming, and I think this just to reiterate what you said, if you're just programming, you'll produce programmed people, but not disciples. Yeah. And that relational emphasis is so important. So let me just affirm what you just said. I, I wholeheartedly agree.
2: Yeah, and it's exactly like you're coming to the to the person where they are in life. I mean. Of Course, you get the whole pro jar, the, the um trellis and the vine, the vine project. You know, you got to have your programs in place, but there has to be that individualized coming alongside. You're not just doing uh trellis work, you're, you're doing the work amongst the vine to grow them, to mature them, to meet them where they're at. Uh, and you know, so as I'm saying all this, I'm thinking of, of something else here. So, we're talking about programs and relational, so like uh, practically speaking, how does discipleship look? in a church because, you know, some people might be thinking, well, I disciple, uh, our discipleship looks like just preaching from the pulpit. And of course, teaching is one way to disciple, but how how does discipleship look or how could it look from, you know, one day to another?
0: And I I think that's a super important question that every pastor needs to understand as they develop the process that they will walk through. That has to include modeling. So I think it's disciples who make disciples. And so that wholehearted devotion to God has to be authentic and it has to be yours. And and I think you need to start there as a church leader, as someone who wants to be a part of this. Uh, Ladies, this is so important for you because, again, you're more naturally relational and more naturally able to pick up what's going on in the other person's heart. Men, this is important for us because people will pick up who we are. So I I think the first step always will be – and so I'm going to get to program – but the first step always will be our own all-defining relationship with Jesus – and then that overflows to where you are at and how that works out. So I have pastored three churches. In those three churches, my program intensive. So we met Tuesday morning, Wednesday nights for kind of an equipping. Time. How do we invite people? Heavily programmed and found tremendous success. We had this great team that was seeking to do it together. Uh, the second place I went, we did programs more through small groups and more through equipping the leaders of those groups to walk with Jesus and then to pass on that walk. Uh, here we're doing it more through a mentoring program at Colorado Baptist Church and trying to develop that. But I, but I think it's constantly reevaluating where. You- at who you're with, the cultural setting you're with, with the end in mind. And that end has to be, I think, the Galatians 4.19 or Matthew 28. Galatians 4.19 talks about being Christ being formed in us. Or even the John 15, where you have this person that's loving and it's devoted to Christ, living authentically in relationship all the time. I think what we've done in North America, and, and this is where your, your programming can come, you've, you've segregated Christianity and the and real world, and we need to place them back together again so the disciples who we are and what we do and the, and real world, and we need to place them back together again. So the is who we are and what we do. So we need to know the word. We need to be saturated with the word. It needs to dominate. You know, the Romans 12, one and two, we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, not conformed to the pattern of the world. However, that also needs to be lived out. So I think the relationships, at least what we're trying to do at Cloverdale Baptist, and we're growing in this. So let me just say that what we're trying to do is develop the intimacy uh, relationships where mentors and then small groups are overflowing and they're trying to impact all of life rather than just the program part of life. So that's not a great answer to your question. I do think programs are important. I do think working through books and certainly the Bible is important, but I think the relational development connection and community is probably the most important part of it. And the authenticity of those that you're seeking to to lead in the process. No, that's, that's, I mean, great.
2: Check, check. Perfect. Love it. All right. One last question for you, uh, and then we'll, we'll see where the conversation goes from there. But when we talk about uh, established churches that might have been doing this for a long time uh, or maybe not discipling at all or have bad discipleship. Uh, and I'm even hesitant to, you know, say that this form of discipleship is bad I mean, because I mean that's a whole other discussion. But uh, what about churches that are practicing, you know, not so good forms of discipleship how, how can they come back like where Where should they go to learn what proper discipleship is, or how it could look like where could they launch off from if they, if they 're feeling convicted, you know maybe we got to change it
0: up and, and go back to the roots of what discipleship is? Well, my first suggestion is come to the engage conference that 's coming up and uh-huh. be a part of that. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I think we need to start again with the authenticity of our own relationship with Jesus. I keep reemphasizing this, but I think if we realize God is real and God is relevant, and we're living in light of that, mm-hmm. it changes our priorities. The, the second thing I would say is become word saturated, and then get someone around you that understands it. So Michael Wilkins, he's got some great books on following the master, those sort of things. They're generic; they're not going to help you in terms of a program, but you'll understand what discipleship is, and then you'll understand what you need to pursue. So not only would I say you model it, but then you follow the mandate. Okay. This is, this has to be my priority. And then what does a disciple look like? Who is a disciple according to Jesus? And then from that, build your programs or your processes, I would say processes to programs actually uh, out of that. So I, I think where I would start always is personal pursuit of Christ, understand a good understanding of what a disciple is and how Jesus did it, And then from that, build into your world processes. And I would say start small. Start with yourself. Make sure you're doing it authentically. Make sure you're doing it well. Make sure you have the disciplines of grace in place uh, and, and be pursuing Christ with all of your might. And then you start to overflow that. So again, it's relational. It's follow me as I follow Christ. If you go too quickly to program, you'll find very, very quickly that you produce Pharisees and not followers of Jesus. And that is a danger. So so the answer to convenient Christianity that I think we've seen on display during the COVID years, and I would argue before. The answer, the answer is not disciplined Christianity, although I, I want disciplined Christianity. The, the answer is a delight in Christ and walking in the fullness of the Spirit. And so I, I think that first, okay, I am an authentic disciple. I'm pursuing him with all my might. He is real and relevant to me. I, I am fallen. I need to repent, but I'm driven and defined by that relationship. It's impacting all of my life, all of the time. I, I think once you are there, then you start to build it. And, and even as you're building that, because some of you who are... Uh, very detailed people and convictional oriented, you'll never get to the place where you feel like you can say, follow me as I follow Christ. So remember, it's the process that you're pursuing. And, and once you're literally open-handed, all in, doesn't mean you're perfect outside of your perfectness in Christ, his righteousness is yours, but it means that you are in process as an all-in follower of Jesus. So I think the key is to realize the importance for your own life, to realize the importance for others, and then to build from that a program that matches what you're doing and start small and build. And also, if you have the privilege of preaching from the pulpit, which I think is one of the great privileges, walk through a, a gospel, mm-hmm. walk through a Pauline epistle, something like that. And, and don't just do, you know, quite often we who do expository preaching take forever to go through books. I, I would say if you're doing a gospel and you're wanting that discipleship orientation, walk through and just say, How did Jesus do this? Mm-hmm. Because we have this perfect model of three years. And you see what Jesus did. He had this heavy impact on 12. Now, obviously, as you have said, there's women around, there's other men around, there's 500 we see almost immediately after the resurrection. But he focused in and said, okay, these ones are going to be authentic, fully devoted. And that overflowed. And and the impact obviously has been global and billions of people that will be in glory because of what Jesus did. And a major part of that was making disciples.
2: Well, I like I like how you said that, because I think that's a trap that, you know, we want to, we can easily fall into as as pastors or people who are interested in discipleship is, oh, I got to do everyone all at once, when no, no, yes, there were hundreds of followers that Jesus uh, took under his wings, but it, then it went down to the 12, and then, but really, it was down to two. Yeah.
0: Yeah, three, three, maybe, or, three, or one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you could even argue, yes, for sure
2: right? So no, that that's great. Pastor Rob, I, I am so excited to, to see you, uh, to learn under you in, uh, at the end of April. Um, it's been such a blessing to sit here and just even have this bit of a brain dump into what's going on in the mind of Pastor Rob Goddard as he prepares to bring this amazing word uh, at our Engage conference. So Rob, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for carving out a portion of the day just to give us a preview as to, you know, what you're going to talk
0: about at our conference. Deep privilege. Can't wait to come. And for those of you who tuned us out right at the start because you think I'm a heretic because of my total depravity (laughs) comment, uh, if you're a grandparent, you understand what I'm saying. If you're not, just realize it was just a joke. So, you know, uh, partly true, but just a joke. So come to the conference. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Come to the conference and rebuke me for my heresy.
2: You heard it here. Everyone come and rebuke Pastor Rob, April 29th (laughs) and 30th. Uh, 2022. Thanks, Rob. We will uh, see you soon.
0: I'm really excited to come and, and God willing be a part of seeing us become as a Canadian church and church planters more engaged in this incredible ministry of making disciples for the glory of God on mission for him. Amen. Take care. Thanks.
1: You've been listening to Rugged Theology. Rugged Theology is brought to you by Mile One Mission. If you want to know more about Mile One Mission and our work in Newfoundland and Labrador, visit www.mileonemission.ca.